Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. Let's stand together. We come to stand in honor of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes. It's so good to be able to celebrate on so many days, but today is a special day as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and our hearts as we do that. Father, we thank you for an opportunity again to come in your presence, Lord. Every opportunity we have is precious to us, Lord, and we know that it has been provided and accomplished and finished on the cross by you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that the door is open and that you are allowing this time for us to celebrate and praise you, to come into the Holy of Holies by Jesus' name and his authority. And God, we want to celebrate this new life you've given us in Jesus, Lord, and ask that you would just reveal more of yourself as we sing these songs of praise to you, Lord, that you would reveal more of you, Father, Son, and Spirit, as we hear the truth from your holy word, Lord. We ask for an anointing upon Pastor Frank, Lord God, and all those teaching our little ones, Lord God, that the truth may truly be proclaimed with boldness, with your authority, Lord, and that our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us today. And we ask that you'd receive the praise that we have for you. May it be a sweet aroma, Lord, and an honorable offering to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, happy day. This day is the that this beating you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Cross the empty grave, like eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day, when you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Realize, see me face to face I am yours, Jesus, you are mine In this joy and perfect peace Earth again finally will cease Celebrate, Jesus is alive Alive and oh, happy day, happy day Wash my sins away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, forever I am changed. Oh, what a glorious day, oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. Lord, you have saved me. Oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious name. 
Sing it again. Oh, happy day, happy day. When you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Forever I am changed. What a glorious day! Thank you, Lord. You are amazing. He's so good. Heard an old, old story How my Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary And saved a wretch like me I heard about his groaning About his precious blood that told me That I repented of my sin And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever Sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, as cleansing power of healing. Now he made claim to walk again. And caused the blind to see And then I cried, dear Jesus Come and hear my broken spirit And somehow Jesus came and brought to me Oh, yes, he did Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior He sought me and bought me With his redeeming blood of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing that old redemption story some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory oh sing it out victory Jesus Savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood the mere I knew him and all my love is to me. He plunged me to victory. One more time. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. The mere I knew him and all my love is to Hey, let's do this a cappella now. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. The mere I knew him 
and all my love is to win. It plunged me to victory beneath the cloud. Oh, one more time. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his victim in blood. Love me here, I knew him and all my love. Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing. Yes, Lord. It's amazing how he's won the victory and he just gives it to us, you know. By his grace, he's so good. Thank you, Lord. And we have overcome with him. Is that right? Today's a day of celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. The work is finished. It is accomplished. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father.
couldn't hold him and then they put him in a grave but the grave couldn't hold him and on that Sunday morning at sunrise he rose from the dead you know what the scripture says amen if he rise that we should be pitied more than any other man remember Mr. T I pity the fool if Jesus didn't rise we we I mean you know what we're doing here today? This is pitiful, right? We believe in something that never happened and a man that is still in the grave, but he is risen. He is risen. We serve a living Savior. 
40 years I've served him. Didn't believe in him, was an atheist at one point, and he came into my life, and he's been there. You know what? Resurrection is not a one-day-a-year thing, and I pity the person who believes that or lives that. The resurrection is something we should be experiencing every day. I'm going to share that with you today. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the greatest gift that has ever been given. All your love, all your grace, all your mercy, your compassion, your kindness, your goodness, your very gentleness was all in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and is in us today through him. So we give you all the thanks and praise, Lord, for giving us your son who died for us on the cross, but on the third day was raised from the, from the grave. And Lord, you're living and you're alive and you desire to come into people's hearts and fill them with that very life. And we give you all the thanks and praise for that. Jesus, we just thank you for being with us here today. We thank you for the body of Christ at Living Word Community Church. We thank you, Lord God for all you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you see it, just say hello to each other. And if by chance, if you have a seat next to you, <laughs> they're helloing. <laughs> Kids who are leaving for, okay, so them, we have seats back here. Let me just see something here. Yes. So there are definitely some seats open if you want to come make your way in. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. There's the Just wing right over, over here. here. To our left, there's a wing. So come on in. Fill up those seats. Fill them up. You can keep going all the way to the end. There you go. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's so great to see you all. It's great to see that that the church is full. Um, I would like to, we would like to start off by welcoming our guests that are here for the first time. If you would please raise your hand. We'd like to welcome you. Any guests that are here? I know that there's guests in here. We'd like to welcome you. Hello. Welcome over there. So Hello. the ushers are going to come to you and they're going to give you some information about our church. So if you can keep your hands raised. Um, so on my right side, there's some guests yeah, and over here in the front, there's some guests. So um <laughs> The ushers are going to give you information. If you don't get information right now, just look for an usher, please, so we can give you information about our church. Um, you fill it out, and then at the end of the service, you can go over to the sound room there in the back, and you'll get a free Jesus DVD. Or if you don't have a DVD player, then you can just scan the code. Okay, so any guests? I know there's a bunch of guests in here, okay? So look for the ushers at the end of the service so we can give you information. Okay, so let's continue with uh, announcements. So happy Resurrection Sunday. It's awesome to be here, right? Happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, we, we have a lot of things going on this week. Uh, just for the Extraordinary Moms, um, this is, uh, uh, make note of this. We will not be meeting today because of the women's retreat. Okay, and now we have the Bible studies here on the screen. Uh, men's and women's Bible studies are uh, this Monday at 7 p.m., and the women's Bible study uh -oh. is at 9.45 a.m. 
Okay, so not women's study is not tomorrow night, right? Okay, so just the men's Bible study tomorrow at 7 and the women's Bible study at 9.45 a.m. here Tuesday, okay? Next Sunday is a Missionary Sunday. Um, the church comes together, right, and we help out our missionaries. Um, we, we serve by uh, providing our prayers and donations. Whatever the Lord leads you to do uh, next week, then you do that, okay? There's people out there that are going to all these countries where people don't know about Jesus. So that, that's what they're doing. That's what the missionaries do. Um, they're using their feet, and we have to use our mouth and whatever the Lord leads you to, to give, right, to those missionaries so they can continue to spread the word of Jesus. And then we have movie night this Friday, April 21st at 7 p.m. We're going to be showing the movie Life Mark. There will be no Spanish subtitles. And whoever um, has the Spanish on, they're listening to it, please put on some earphones or mute it because I hear, I hear some noise right now. <laughs> what? Oh, that's true. Si están escuchando en español, por favor, pónganse audífonos <laughs> o pongan su teléfono, teléfono en mute porque estamos escuchando el sonido ahorita. Thanks, Lenny. Perfecto. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, save the day for Vacation Bible School this summer from June 19th to the 23rd. Registration is coming soon. Um, for those of, of you that are here for the first time, our church loves to teach the kids because the kids are the future, right? So this is our way that we're able to continue to teach our kids um, during the summer, okay? And for those of you that are part of the church, make sure that you register. That is, uh, register registration is coming soon, so make note of that. And permission slips um, and $50 deposit are due next Sunday for the youth summer trip, uh, grades 9 through 12. And as you can see, right, we like to invest in the children because, again, the children are the future. Um, they're the ones that are going to be the future leaders, the future people that are going to be speaking about Jesus to, to everybody else. And that's what we were called to do, to speak about Jesus. So that's it, guys. We're all done. God bless you. Oh, uh, one more thing? Oh, yes, yeah. so, Lenny. Uh, there will not be the monthly men's meeting in April, just so you know. But we're going to be sharing uh, more information on the future calendar. So what we're going to do uh, is ask the ushers to come up so we can uh, take a collection, continue to worship the Lord, and then we're going to just share a couple songs for you so you can stand or be seated. During the special songs, you should be seated just to enjoy. Let's pray for the offering. We'll bow our heads and our hearts and we can remain seated as, as the basket passes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for everything, God. We thank you, especially today when we can celebrate, God, the victory that we have in you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've provided for us, all of the blessings and, and your grace that you just pour out on our lives every single day, all of the favor that we don't deserve, God. And so, we, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray, God, that you would bless these tithes and these offerings, and then you would use them to further your kingdom, Lord, and your work here on earth. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
We're just going to wait a minute as the basket passes. We're going to be sharing a special song that's been on a lot of our hearts. It's called Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. And a dear sister of ours has said that these words are very intentional. And I love that because these lyrics are so powerful uh, as they depict you know, what, what Jesus did for us on the cross and what his blood means to us as believers. So we just pray that, that you would be able to pray with us with these words, that they would touch your heart and you would be able just to look at the screen. We're going to have the lyrics up and that you would help us, Lord, uh, help us just to meditate on these words. to 
We have the victory in Jesus, right? He's won it on the cross. He is risen. So precious to us. You know, we've sung this song. uh, Actually, wrote this song. This group here wrote this song. (laughs) Inspired by Tito, actually, and the Lord bringing him to some special words. But this is a song about us being victorious and him being victorious. It's really about him being victorious. Um, but there is a part of the song called Victorious in, in the chorus that we want you to sing along with us. Uh, we did sing this as a worship song in the past, so hopefully you'll get it. But um, so much in the Word of God about our Lord and what He came to do in His victory. Kingdom no longer praises, sing Jesus. 
just the last way to die. Strong in the face of death, on these who gives last, but when it is finished, we cry. So confused and forlorn, those so close once now scattered, their king wore a crown of thorns. How could this be? He is gone, victorious, 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 victorious. I love a righteous King, no longer breathe. From the womb to the tomb, from the cross to the grave, and the stone rolled away, Jesus in victory reigns.
You may be seated. Well, why don't you stay standing? Why don't you stand standing? <laughs> Open up your Bibles. If you don't have one, we'll put it up on the screen. So the title of today's message is Jesus Risen Manifested in You from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. So if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, the word of our Lord says, always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in your body. For we, he, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Heavenly Father, we pray this day, Lord, open up our hearts and minds to your word. Lord, we know that, Lord, the evil one, he seeks to blind us from the light. He seeks to keep us from the truth. Lord God, I pray that there would just be a great outpouring of your spirit upon all here today, those watching, Lord, in different parts of the country and the world, that you would illuminate their minds to be able to see clearly into the depths of your word, and that this day, Lord God, this could be the most glorious hour of their life. Father, I pray that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want you to do something for the next... For the next 30, 40 minutes, I want you to abandon your religion. Whatever religion you bought in here, just abandon it for the next 30, 40 minutes. Because if you hold on to that religion, it's going to blind you. It's going to keep you from really seeing what God has given to us. So I want to really encourage you to try to, try to do that as we go through uh, this message with the Word of God, you'll, you'll see here in the text the word manifested. Uh, the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The word there, manifested, is fanaru, and what it means is to reveal that the life of Jesus, the risen life of Jesus, would be revealed or made known in our mortal flesh. He was raised to be in you. He was raised to live in you. And that is what the Christian life is. It is not religion. <laughs> he didn't come to bring another religion. In fact, he really kind of hates religion. And he opposed the religious. I don't know if you noticed that. His biggest problem was with religious people. I say this to people. I am the most irreligious person you'd ever want to meet. Just ask my family. I am irreligious. Ask my wife. I am irreligious. I am not a religious person. And that offends. That offends religious people. But Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a relationship. <laughs> That's what the Bible is all about. It's about people having a relationship with God. It's not about, not about religion. He came to live in us. He came to live through us. And he came for us to know him and uh, for him to know us. I want to show you just a, a quick video. It's great. It, it's just, it's from the, um, the movie The Passion. Just kind of a quick little scene about the resurrection of Jesus. 
I can get it up here. Let's see. you to, to do so. I want you just to pause for a moment, and I want you to consider the question, why is Jesus alive? Why is Jesus alive? And you may say, because he rose from the dead, but that's not the question I asked. Why is he alive? And I want to give you a couple of, a couple of things here as to what the Word of God tells us as to why Jesus is alive. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32 through 35, here Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, okay? And um, he quotes from, from Psalm 110, and he's preaching about the resurrection. In fact, something that you see throughout the book of Acts, the apostles they would preach continuously about the cross and the resurrection, and they would use Old Testament passages that were predictions, prophecies, that basically claimed that Messiah would die on the cross and be raised from the dead. By the way, why do I preach the way I preach? Using scripture over and over again, because that's the way the apostles, okay, preach. And that's really the way Jesus taught. Because you're not, you don't really want to hear what I have to say. You want to hear what God has to say. And so we, we use the word of God. So in, in Acts chapter 2, as he's preaching, again, about the resurrection, he goes and he says in verse 34, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And that, again, is from Psalm 110. And notice he says, The Lord said to my Lord, this is Yahweh said to Adonai, okay, the Hebrew, Yahweh, both names of God, Yahweh, Adonai, Yahweh said to Adonai. Now, unless God is schizophrenic, he's talking within himself, you know, that this is, this is the Father speaking to the Son, 
So when you, when you understand the resurrection, you know, why did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, he rose because he was God. Okay? Second thing I'll share with you, Jesus is alive because death couldn't hold him. Right? We sing that song here in the church, Acts 2.24, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Death couldn't hold him. He's the life. And then a, a, a third reason why Jesus, again, is alive, he's alive to fulfill prophecy. The predictions, over 400 prophecies throughout the Old Testament, throughout Tanakh, that described his birth, his life, his miracles, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. Well, he fulfilled all the ones with the exception as of yet, his second coming. But he essentially, he was raised from the dead and is alive to fulfill prophecy. Again, in Acts 2, 25 through 29, here you see Peter preaching and he's talking about essentially Psalm 16 here. So in verse 25, for David says concerning him, concerning Jesus, concerning Messiah, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad, moreover my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, the word Hades, in the grave, Sheol in Hebrew, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption, to see decay. Now, here David is writing this, and Peter makes this strong, this strong affirmation. He says in verse 28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Talking again about Jesus and the resurrection. Then he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. In other words, he wasn't talking about himself being raised from the dead. He was talking about the Messiah. So it was predicted, Psalm 16. Uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, he is alive because it was the fulfillment of Scripture. Now, another is Jesus is alive because he was raised to save us. In Hebrews 7.25, therefore he also is able to save to the outermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He was raised from the dead to Save us. Right now, he's there. If you have not come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, okay, you haven't, you haven't opened your heart and received him, you haven't put your faith in him, that he died for you on the cross and was raised from the dead, well, he's there today to intercede for you. The word intercession. He's a bridge to God. <laughs> he, he mentioned two people having issues. You grab one, you grab the other. He is the one who brings us together with God. He makes intercession for us, and you can receive that gift of salvation. Now, I want to give to you again, why is Jesus alive? Well, he's alive because he is going to reign and rule forever and ever. And in Revelation chapter 5, 13, it's a picture of the future. It says, in every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. We will be worshiping him and he will be reigning through eternity from his throne. Now, did I say now? Now. 
So if you look again at the text of 1 Corinthians 4.11, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal bodies. I want to talk to you about, again, why he's alive for us right now. Okay, the now. He was manifested, right, in our mortal flesh, right? We only have the mortal flesh until the day we die, be resurrected one day. But he's talking here about the manifestation of Jesus in our lives, in your lives, right at this time. So I'm going to do something, I'm going to kind of deviate from a key principle and philosophy that I I hold here in the church, and that is delayed gratification. I strongly believe in delayed gratification. You ever see people who always, they want, you know, everything now? You ever see those people? You ever see their bodies? You ever see their their minds, their lives, their financial situation, the people who live for the now? Delayed gratification is a key to success. Delayed gratification is a key to physical health. Delayed gratification is a key to your career success. Delayed gratification is a key to your financial success. If you were given $1,000 today, what would you do with it? Again, the person who looks for instant gratification, they'll go out and spend it all. The person who believes in delayed gratification, they're going to make an investment in the kingdom of God and then they're going to make an investment in themselves, financial future. So I teach, I teach, you know, delayed gratification. It's necessary to really live a successful life, but I'm going to deviate. Sorry. I'm going to deviate from it and I'm going to talk to you today about the now, about the manifestation of Jesus in your life Right now. So how do you eat your cake? If you haven't eaten breakfast, that looks real good, right? Especially if you like chocolate. See, the concept of delay, when I do, I do this here, I do this in seminars, and I'll say to people, how do you eat your cake? You know, I like to eat the cake first and save the best part for last. That's delayed gratification. But what I'm going to do to you today, I'm going to serve the icing to you first. So right now, you're getting the icing. Okay? Which is, again, what our text is saying, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What does that mean? The manifestation of the risen Christ right now, in your life, in your body, in your mind, in your soul. First, awe and wonder. The life of Jesus manifested in our mortal flesh, it manifests, he manifests in awe and wonder. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, and these are all resurrection passages I will share with you. On that morning, the women who had come to the tomb, it says, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, he appeared to them. The risen Christ that morning appeared to them and there was fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. The word there for fear, it's, it's not talking about, you know, the, the fear, the terror of the world. It's, it talks about awe and wonder. I believe that, that in every one of our hearts there is this great need, this hunger for awe. To be awed, to be wowed, to to experience wonder. You know what I'm talking about? 
Remember when you were a kid? Kids, kids are, are, wow, the world is so big to little kids that the kids can get so awed by, by the things that are around them. But I remember as a kid going to Yankee Stadium for the first time, walking, right, walking through the hall, and then suddenly stepping out. And I was just, wow. All I had ever seen it was on TV. That huge stadium, that, that huge baseball field. And just uh, totally, totally awed by what I saw. If you've ever been at Niagara Falls, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just so awesome. Or the Grand Canyon. Those of you who have gone to Israel with me, Mount Tabor. Being on top of Mount Tabor, it overlooks the Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. You could see 60 miles north, 60 miles south, 30 miles this way, 30 miles that way, right across into the Mediterranean. It's an, it's an awesome sight. An awesome sight. That is, that is awe. And I believe, again, the human heart has this, has this longing for awe. If, if it's not being met by God, we will seek to meet it in other things. And some of them can be incredibly destructive. Drugs, alcohol. I mean, some people today, they're, they're obsessed with entertainment. They watch, they watch, they watch Netflix over, one, you know, one series after another, after another, after another. And then you got Yulu, Hulu, Gulu, Rilu. I can't keep up. It's like that, that, that longing for awe, which really, I believe, only God can satisfy. You really understand, only God is awesome. You know, if you're a skateboarder and you say, awesome skateboard, dude. But only God, only God is truly awesome. I'm, I'm careful how I use words. You know, that's an awesome car. That's an awesome dress. That's an awesome hairdo. People frequently say that to me. <laughs> I'm lying. But it's all, right? It's all. But there's only one who is truly awesome. Maybe some of you this morning, during worship, you experience that awe. If you're in his presence, you know what I'm talking about in worship, in prayer, in the study of the word. You can have that experience. Suddenly God is with you. You sense his presence. Your, your hair can stand up on end. You're, you're, you, you get that, that butterfly in your gut. And that's awe. And that is the awe that comes from the manifestation of the risen Christ in our lives. Second, peace. Peace. The life of Jesus manifested in our mortal flesh Brings peace, the shalom of God. We live in a crazy world, crazy world, upside down world. People call evil good and good evil, violence, wars, rumors of wars, hatred, hatred. I think a lot of people just you see a lot of hatred in the world and fear. Fear, fear, fear seems to dominate. It's, it's in the church. All these people afraid, they're hiding, they're, they're running away, and they're afraid. I don't even think they really know what they're afraid of. There was a woman here on Friday night, and uh, she's a missionary, 
And I was blessed as I talked to her. Actually, she, she got saved years ago in the, in the church, Maranatha, that Sue and I had come out of. And she said that she is, goes on these missionary trips, but she goes to places like Turkey and to Iraq and places that, that people would not want to go to who are Christians. But, you know, instead of, instead of running away from the fire, she's going into the fire. I see all these people today running away from the fire in the church. Paul went running into the fire. The early believers went running into the fire. I think the devil is sitting up, right, laughing above them. He's got them terrified. Terrified, right? But people are afraid. And, and, and right, the devil works. He's got, he's got, right, Democrats are afraid of Republicans, and Republicans are afraid of Democrats. Black people are afraid of white people, and white people are afraid of black people. Christians are afraid of Muslims, and Muslims are afraid of Christians. And it's just all this fear that permeates. So well, I want you to look around today. Just look around, please. Turn around, look around. Look around at some of the people here. Many colors. Many different nationalities. See all the flags up there? About 75 different nationalities attend this church. I don't know about you. I've been here for 40 years. I'm not afraid. I'm 30 years in this church. I'm not afraid. You're my brothers and sisters. And you may be different. Different backgrounds and different, different you know, cultures different traditions, you look a little different, we talk a little different, but we're one in Christ. Jesus, he came to bring peace, right? Not to bring fear. In fact, if you make it here on Wednesday night, I'm preaching a message. I've been kind of on this track talking about Caleb and Joshua who were heroes, they were warriors, they weren't afraid. The other, the other Israelites were terrified but they were heroes but they were courageous. I'm going to talk about fear this Wednesday night. Because again, I think it's, it's something, the more I'm seeing, it's, I'm seeing it throughout the church. Fear. And we have not been given a spirit of fear, a spirit of boldness, a spirit of self-control, a spirit of love. So, peace. So, when Jesus was raised, look at, at John 20, verse 19 through 20. There's no two there. That's what you call a mistake. I make many of them. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Notice, they're there because of fear. Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He came to give us shalom, supernatural peace, tremendous peace. I want to tell you, I'll tell you a little story. The, um, the wife of the founder of the Winchester Gun Company uh, she became his, his widow, and she lived in San Jose. She built a mansion between 1884 and 1922, and her name was Sarah Winchester, and um, she believed that the mansion was haunted by all the souls of those who had been killed by the guns that her husband's company had manufactured. 
So she kept on building on to this mansion until she spent $70 million. Let me show you. Let me just, that, that's the, the mansion right there. People go on tours there. She spent $70 million building on and on, but she kept trying to escape from these souls or spirits that she felt were haunted her. Had a thousand windows, 160 rooms, and staircases that led to blank walls. She had this desperate search for peace. A desperate, fruitless search for peace. And again, you, you see people on the same search. They're searching for peace. Where do they look? I mean, some again in, in some very bad places. People destroying their lives looking for peace and alcohol or, 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 or drugs or other things. And Jesus, when he manifests himself, he manifests himself to us in peace. I found it in, in my life's most difficult trials and tribulations that Jesus always comes to me in peace and he calms my soul. Right? He said this, Matthew chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Right? We live in a world of tribulation. You can't escape that. I see people again running. They're running to, running to different states, even some running to different... Let me just tell you where you may, where you may be able to run to. You know, see people, they, I'm running away from the blue state to a red state, but then the red state turns blue. Or maybe the opposite, then the, the, the blue state. They, they, there's one place in the world I think you may be able to escape. Antarctica. <laughs> you may be able to escape in Antarctica. It's just really cold. And then you're going to be worried about the polar bears. There's, there's, there's no escape. This is not our home. This is not our home. He, he never pulled punches. In this world, we'll have trials and tribulation. But be of good cheer, right? He has overcome the world. All right, number three. Immovable faith. The life of Jesus also will be manifested in our mortal flesh through an immovable faith. Somebody comes to me and they'll present some kind of argument against the Bible. Or they'll present an argument against Jesus. And if you ever do that, excuse me for my rudeness when I laugh, because I laugh. Because my faith right now is immovable. It's immovable. The world, right, the winds blow, the skepticism and the doubts, right, and all the different things that, that blow in and out of our lives. But he has rooted me. He has rooted me in himself. So you look at, at John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29. A week after the resurrection, Thomas wasn't there the first Sunday, and they kept telling Thomas, Jesus is risen, and Thomas is the doubter, and Thomas says, says I'd have to see him, the holes in his hands, and I would have to stick my hand into his side. They say, Thomas was gross. <laughs> And so, so it, it tells us the next week, Thomas is there. 
And he says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And then Thomas answered and said to him, five beautiful words, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, are those who have not seen me and yet have believed? Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you can say I'm one of those people, right? Right? Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 7 and verse 9. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. I have never seen him. He's, ne he's never appeared to me. But I'll tell you, I love him more than I love anyone or thing in this life. And then it says, though now you do not see him, yet believing, I have never seen him. And I can say this to, to you, I believe in him more than I believe you are here before me today. He has manifested himself in my life and he continues to manifest himself, uh, manifest himself in my life every day. Experience Christ. It's an experience. It's a relationship. It's, it's not going to church. Though church can be part of it. It's not, it's not praying. Everybody prays. I even talk to atheists who say they pray. All religious people pray. And it's not, it's not knowing and quoting scripture. Right? Jesus said on that day, many will come before me and say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you. Right? The devil quotes scripture really well. Right? Read the temptation of Jesus. He really knows the Bible. But that's not, that's not what it is. It's a relationship with him. It's really coming, coming to know him. Goes on and says... You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Somebody, somebody said to me this week, he's gone through some trials in his life, and he said, but what, but what if you went through, what if you went through this, and, and what if you went through that? Would you still have that faith that you claim to have in Jesus? So then I, I started to tell him, I said, look, I, I have not gone through what you have gone through, because I have had my own experience, but I have had periods of great pain and suffering. Sometimes to people I love who are going through it. Sometimes it has been personal. But I said to him, that is not what has determined my faith. My faith is built upon that Jesus, he went to the cross and he died for me. And then on the third day he was raised from the dead. And again, he reveals himself to me each day. That is where my faith is, is, is founded upon. Number four, divine guidance. The life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh through his divine guidance. Don't you need guidance? <laughs> in John chapter 21, 3 through 6, right? They were out fishing and they had no luck. They didn't catch anything. And then Jesus appeared to them on the shore. And he said, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
And they said to him, we are going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Nothing. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they said to him, no, no fish, no food. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Maybe if you're not catching fish, if you're hungry and not getting what you want to eat, maybe you're casting your net on the wrong side of the boat. He offers us guidance. I had to make a very, very big decision this last few weeks, and I, I waited on it. I prayed about it for about two weeks. A big decision. Very big decision. Going to affect myself, my wife, my children, my grandchildren in the future. Big decision. And I prayed. And I waited. And I prayed. And I waited. And God gave me the answer. God guided me. I believe, I believe the net has been cast on the right side of the boat. I've experienced that other times in my life. But we may be casting our nets on the wrong side of the boat. When Jesus is in your life and you're in communion with him, you're connected with him, you're really in a good place where you're in tune with him and you have those decisions to make. He will guide you to cast your net on the right side of the boat. It's amazing what can happen when you do that. Number five, friendship with God. John 21, verse 12 through 13, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. You ever have breakfast with Jesus? I do every day. I don't eat anything because I usually don't eat until 12 o'clock in the afternoon, but I have breakfast with Jesus every day. We, we, we hang out together and commune with each other and connect so he says here, come and eat breakfast, yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. That's friendship with God. That's, that's, this is a picture again of, of what Christianity is. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not rituals. It is a relationship with God is coming into friendship and you will find him to be the best friend that you could ever have. He sticks closer than anybody. I promise you that. He will never desert you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Though you may for a time. What a friend we have in Jesus. That is something to be enjoyed every day. Number six, passion. I say to people all the time, life is not worth living without passion. Live with passion. Work with passion. Have passion for the career that God has given you or the business that God has given you. You'll succeed greatly with passion. If you're a teacher, teach with passion. Love with passion. Play with passion. If you work out, work out with passion. But live life with passion. 
in Luke 23:32, the two on the road to Emmaus. And they said to one another, right? Jesus walked with them and talked with them. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Did not our hearts burn within us? A lot of us, right? The heartburn we get is because we've eaten too much food that we shouldn't and we get acid reflux. Or it's from agita. Right? Agita, that's an Italian word for... Stress, worry, fear, anxiety. How about a heart that burns with passion? Enthusiasm. Look at the word enthusiasm. If you break it down, N in enthusiasm, theos in God. The person who is filled with God is going to have this, this passion. They're going to have this positive emotion. See, I've been a Christian for 40 years. 40 years. You ever watch some people as they grow old in the Lord, they go grow crotchety. This is the right word. I don't know what that means, but it sure fits. <laughs> crotchety. There's a crotchety old man. She's a crotchety old lady. A lot of times, right, their hearts, their hearts become hard. Their prayers become cold. And their faith becomes old. I have to tell you this. I have an enthusiasm and a passion for the things of God now greater than they were when I first accepted him 40 years ago. My, my, my time with God, my breakfast with Jesus. I, how many of you get up in the morning with a passion to live the day? I get up in the morning with an excitement to go and just be with God and open up the word and have God just, just minister to me through the word and to, to pray to him. And after that, right, I'm just so filled with, with juice and energy and excitement. Then I hit the gym. But that, that is, again, passion. He manifests himself in us to give us passion. The seventh is illumination. The life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It, it, it is essentially he illuminates us. The concept of illumination is to live in the light. People live in darkness. Satan is the master of darkness. Have you ever gone into a room, turned off the light, and at first, right, you can't see, you're bumping into things. But as you adjust, and as your eyes adjust, right, what happens? As your eyes adjust, suddenly you're able to kind of operate in the darkness. You get used to it. That's a scary thing. A lot of people have adjusted to the darkness. They don't even realize that they're in the darkness. They can function in it. They think, they think that it's normal. Well, he came, he came to illuminate us, to enlighten us. And in Luke chapter 24, 44 through 45, when Jesus appeared, again, that Sunday to the disciples, and he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He says to them, all the things that are written in what we call our Old Testament, that's called Tanakh. The Jewish people, could we say to a Jewish, we have a lot of Jewish believers here, we say, oh, it's the Old Testament. No, it's the Tanakh. We say, it's old, like it's old. You know, like some churches, they never go near the Tanakh. 
And one preacher is a world-renowned preacher from Georgia. He says, no, we, we don't even need to use the Old Testament. Well, I said, man, Jesus did over and over again. You must be smarter than Jesus. So he says, he says, all the things, all the scriptures, the Psalms, the prophets, the Torah, the law of Moses, and then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And that is a, that is a wonderful thing when God opens your mind. He enlightens your mind, and suddenly you're able to understand the scriptures because the man without the spirit cannot comprehend the word of God. He could have a Ph.D., he could have a master's degree. He could have, have multiple other degrees. You know, some people are really caught up with their degrees. Look at my degrees. I have three PhDs. I have a, two master's degrees. I have degrees. All I know is that the thermometers that we used on our children when they were growing up had 108 degrees, and you know where you stuck that. person could have many, many degrees, right? They, but, but they cannot understand the simplest things in the Word of God. And if you don't have the Spirit today, you're probably struggling to understand. It's probably right now a whole lot of things that are just going in one ear and out the other. Because that's what it did with me. One day I'm watching a football game. I was probably about 21, 22 years old with, with two friends right around the corner here. I got saved literally around the corner here in an apartment. And um, I was watching the, the, the game, and in that time, the football teams, uh, the stadiums, they would allow people to hang John 3.16 behind the goalposts. How many of you remember that, right? So every NFL game, college game, it was a college game we were watching, there were the, the John 3.16 behind. And so we were looking, so what is that John 3.16 stuff? What is it? So I, I had, when I left home, my mother gave me the old Catholic Dewey version Bible, and I opened it up, I went to John 3.16, and I read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Everlasting life. We didn't understand that. We didn't get it. We didn't get that. Go upstairs and there's little five-year-old kids in Sunday school who could explain that to you. But we did not get it. Because we did not have the spirit. And the man without the spirit, it's foolishness. And that's what it was to me. The word of God was foolishness. Christianity. Look, if you want it, you can have it. I don't want to interfere with the very, very free people. You know, worship Allah. You want to worship Jesus. You want to worship Muhammad. Whoever you want to worship, just it's fine. Go do. It. But but it's all nonsense to me. And the Word of God was nonsense to me because I did not have the illumination of the Spirit of God. I sit today and I. I could read 20 chapters and the Lord is ministering to me his word. Last, last point here today, power. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the resurrected Lord in Luke chapter 24 verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And then in verse 8 of Acts 1 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
The manifestation of the risen Christ in our mortal flesh is a manifestation of power, of spiritual power. It's power for life. It's, it's power for living. It's power for you to be given that energy to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish, to be the person that God has called you to be, to do the things that God has called you to do. And they're not what he has called me to do. Maybe some similarities, many differences. That is the, the, the power of God. It, it is the power. We sang this song, Victorious. It's the power to live victoriously. I say this. We live in a world of victims. Everybody is a victim. Have you noticed that? <laughs> no, the media just, just plays on making you into it. You're, you're just a poor victim because you're a woman or a man or because of your color or your nationality. He didn't call us to be victims. I refuse to be a victim. I am a victor in Christ. And every day I get up, I want to live that victorious life. And that is what he gives us. He gives us that power to live victoriously. So, how to get Jesus risen, manifested in you, right? You want to have that manifestation of power. You want to have that manifestation of illumination and passion that manifestation of his friendship and his presence, of his guidance, you want to have that manifestation of being immovable, so rooted. <laughs> you laugh at the winds of the world to have that manifestation of awe. Last verse. John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, you need to receive him. Him, not religion, not a doctrine, not a denomination. You need to receive him into your life and enter into a relationship with Jesus, the risen Savior. And as you come into that, that relationship, you will come into a place where you will experience his love. And then you will begin to love him. That's the ultimate expression of a true, wonderful relationship. But you have, to, you have to receive him. It's like a gift. I can hold out a gift to you, something wonderful. Until you open your arms and take it, you don't have it. So you have to receive him. And then it says, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And in the Bible, a name carries with it the very characteristics of the person. So the name of Jesus, Jesus means Savior. You, you need to believe in him as your Savior. You believe that, that he, took, he took your cross upon himself that Friday. He took your punishment upon himself. The nails were meant for your hands and my hands and my feet and your feet. But he took, he took our punishment. That's substitutionary atonement. We talked about that very clearly here on Good Friday. You need to believe that he is your savior who did that for you. He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Essentially, he was suffering hell on the cross for me and for you. And by believing in him as your savior, 
your sins then are removed. He takes your sins from you and he gives to you his righteousness. And the father looks at you and he sees you as he sees his son Jesus. But you must believe. Believe that he is your savior. Believe in his name is to believe that he is your Lord. You're going to begin to let him guide you. You're going to want him to lead you. You're going to seek to please him. To believe that he is your God. And you will begin to worship him. And worship the Father and the Spirit and the Son together. But it is to receive him into your life and to believe in him. That, that is how we come into this relationship where he then begins to manifest himself to us. And that could be the greatest, most glorious moment, hour of your life if you receive him and believe in him. And that's something only you can do. Church can't do it. I can't do it. You can do it right now this morning. Just ask him to come into your life and into your heart and just say to him, Lord, I believe in you that you died for me, that you were raised from the dead, that you're my God and my Savior. And he will come into your life. Amen? Let's all bow our heads. Pray a prayer. Today is your glorious hour. Right now. you're ready to receive Jesus and put your faith in him. Just pray from your heart. Jesus, I receive you. I take you, Lord, into my heart. And then confess to him, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are my Savior who died for me on the cross were raised from the dead. I believe you are God in the form of man. I believe you are the Lord, the King over all. If you prayed that simple prayer, and you prayed it from your heart with sincerity, I'll say this to you. He came into your life just now. He just came into your life. And now the beginning of that manifestation will happen as you walk with him, as you talk to him, as you get to know him, and as you open your life for him to get to know you. Amen. Stand with me. Folks, we're going to close with a final song. If you would like to come to the altars, you're welcome to. I'll say this to you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, tell someone. And if you didn't have anybody bring you here that you prayed that prayer, come and tell me. I'll rejoice with you. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. How precious, right? As the altars are open for you, if you'd like to come forward and just spend a little time alone or with somebody praying.
desperation, I turned to heaven, spoke your name into the night, and through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. Praise the one who sent 
Amen. Hey, may the risen Lord, may the risen Lord in all his glory and all his power, may he live in your hearts and in your lives. And may you live and experience that manifestation of him until he brings you home and you will see him face to face in glory forever and ever. Jesus, go with you all. Amen. Amen.